And thank you so much for joining me this week on the Luck Stops Here podcast. I am your host, Scott Bowser. Uh, if you are listening and you gotten this far, please hit subscribe. Make sure you're subscribing and uh, give us a five stars and um, leave a little review. It's crazy. Uh, I had like almost 20 review like uh, ratings. I went from like in the 60s down to the 40s. I don't know what happened, but uh, I appreciate everybody who's been reaching out and doing that. I, you guys have rule and uh, it helps. And um I just want to say thank you. This week, I have my friend Lizzie Cooperman on. She's one of my favorite comics ever. She's done a couple albums. You can check her out there. Written for a lot of TV shows. Uh, really one of the bigger influences on me in comedy, really, because when I was first coming up, she was kind of already established, and uh, she was always a really cool friend of me. And I think that comes through on this episode, and it was a lot of fun. And so uh, I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. And... We are here live this week at the Model UN. I am Scottish Ambassador Scott Bowser here with Israeli Ambassador Lizzie Cooperman. <laughs> Lizzie, how are you this week? <laughs> Scott, I don't know. Ask me something specific about it. I'm kind of a, I have to say, even when you texted me, I was just so out of it. I was in a meditation group where I'd fallen asleep. Are you in Michael Imperioli's meditation group? The No. Yeah, he does one on uh like Zoom conferences now. Like he's a big Buddhist. I, I, you should get into oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah, cuz he's he's one of my heroes. I'm a big uh Sopranos fan and Goodfellas fan, so. Oh, cool. Imperioli's one of my guys. But this is a Vegas show, so are you in tune with Vegas? <laughs> Am I in tune with Vegas? Yeah, cuz like here's here's why I wanted to have you on cuz I wanted to have you on really to talk about some of the best Vegas like performers over the years. Okay, or, I have some. Well, I want to tell you about. But we can just bullshit. I mean, this is like a this is no holds barred. This is I'm like I said before, before we started recording. It's a one man operation. I am the executive producer. I'm the owner. Um, everything on this. So I can make I can fucking pull the playbook out and do whatever I want anytime. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love being in control, Lizzie. <laughs> you have no idea. You're like, we will discuss Las Vegas. Okay, can I t tell you something about personal about Las Vegas with stand-up then? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, when I first started in Minnesota so long ago, I think I'd been doing stand-up two or three months. There was a contest called the Laugh Across America contest is it like hands across america where someone tells a joke to the next person standing next to him they... is that what hand, what was hands across america i think they try to get everybody to hold hands across the entire country like create no. a, like but i'm just gonna say right now you're gonna there's a couple mountain ranges you're gonna run into some problems with on that <laughs> we need to look up hands across america i don't i feel like it was for some kind of uh wasn't it just a fundraiser or something? I think it was. It was definitely a multi. They could not have expected people to hold hands across America. I think it was ML, an MLM scheme for sure. <laughs> hands across America. Are you that looking is... it up? You... Wow. Is that what it was? In which approximately five to six point five million people held hands for fifteen minutes. Whoa. 
Even if they were clammy, you can't let go. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine me? Uh, I'm sorry. This guy's next to me. The hands are a little too clam dog. I got to get out of here. <laughs> the person next to you just like dipped into guacamole with their pointer finger and then like sucked it. And, like times for hands across America. <laughs> or just, you see like a fucking cum stain on someone's hand next to you. You're like, oh, I got to <laughs> No, <laughs> put that guy at the end. <laughs> Okay, I don't understand what. I'm the telling point. you right now, I don't. I'm not a math expert, Lizzie, but five to six million people or whatever. That's definitely not enough to uh, go coast to coast. Hands across, okay, hands across, hands across America was an attempt to fight hunger. Which how can you eat when your hands? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How can you? More importantly, how can you grow food, uh, cook food? Or do anything when you're holding hands with a bunch of jerk-offs that came out for Hands Across America. I can't believe that. But I don't think they meant you have to do it in one chain, like through the Grand Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) Sacrificing their life. just. Uh, I just want to see Hands Across Texas. Where a bunch of people lying across Texas from, from the like no country for old men wasteland of west texas all the way to where they shot george bush shot jfk in dallas like oh my god eight gripping facts about hands across america okay well let me guess uh more than fucking million one gripping fact, millions of people showed up for a shit show. How about that? Well, the first fact is only three people did it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it just the three stooges. <laughs> three people with extremely long hands showed up. It's Shaquille O'Neal and two, fr- two former <laughs> NBA friends. That <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so I did... Oh, so I auditioned for this thing, Laugh Across America. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, that was what we were talking about. I'm just, I'm just, we, we can stay on Hands Across no, America. No, no, no. I think, I, think I, honestly, to move. I, I, I would like to do an hour on Hands Across America with you one day where we do a deep dive into like where the money went and all that. <laughs> like, but, we need to do an investigative report. I yeah. agree. Um, That's for the, that'll be for the Patreon. Someone was wearing OJ's glove <laughs> on one of the hands. With one of Bernie Sanders' mittens on top of it. Like, just, <laughs> just going down the rabbit hole, inside the rabbit hole, down the rabbit hole. I was just going to go back to Las Vegas because you told me to, but we don't have to. No, no, it's, no, it's, no, no. Actually, I, like I want to hear about, America. I really do, and I do want to hear about Laughs Across America. Across America is far more entertaining but laugh across america was you you like went and auditioned in some hotel and they were like okay you're gonna go in i like wrote my name down like went into the whatever ballroom you know how everything in a hotel is called a ballroom but it's just it's just a conference room with (laughs) like (laughs) stale cookies i went in there i did they told me to do three minutes of stand-up and for some reason, I won. I don't know how I was new, and I won for like the Midwest, and it was almost embarrassing. So I, I had, and I, and I, well, no, I, I did. You're 
one of the better stand-ups I know. So like, don't like sell yourself short on this. Like, I'm not, but I had just started and probably the week before was like heartily booed at an open mic. <laughs> like I was not, I didn't have any skills. You didn't have your chops, your sea legs under you yet. You know how you just have those flukes where you're like, oh, that went well. I don't know why. Yeah. Yeah. I think my second open mic I crushed and there was no reason I should have done that. It was one of those situations. Okay, okay. So I went and I went to Las Vegas and they were like, okay, so they, they flew me out to perform at the Stardust <laughs> Casino. I love the Stardust. That was my favorite before they tore it down. That was oh, my, really? That was my favorite because that's the one that Casino is actually based on. Oh. That was like one of the main mob spots. And, and so I went out there. The first time I came out to Vegas, I was 20 years old. Well, I came out when I was a little kid because I had an uncle that lived out here. I was 20 years old. I didn't even have a fake ID. And they were like, Were you a little boy in the goldfinch? I wish, but I looked like I was 35 when I was 20 still. So, <laughs> like, with the amount of chest hair I had, they just let me play cards. And I had like these low cut, like barbershop style shirts so they could really see my chest hair. Like, I was like, That's my, that's my fake ID this weekend. And the Stardust would let me play more than anyone. Like, other places, like, they'd ID me. I just immediately go back to the Stardust. And I won like 75 bucks on a nickel slot on like, and the lady was like, man, if you would have played the max play, you would have won like 1500. I'm like, yeah, then you guys would have ID'd me <laughs> and, then, and he would have found out I'm not <laughs> allowed to gamble here legally. So yeah, no, uh, I have a fond, I have fond memories of the Stardust. That is one of my, I feel like it's a little looser, a little dirtier yeah, than the other. Cause like the mob was still basically running it. <laughs> like. You know, the mob's basically out of here now outside the unions in the hotels and whatnot with the linens and what and shit. So. Oh, my God. The linens? Yeah. They control the towels. No. Think about how many towels need to be washed in casinos and hotels per day here. You control that union. That's a nice little racket you're running. Oh, my God. You've got a business mind. <laughs> I did work in business management for a few years, if you recall. So. Oh, my God. So laugh oh, across. <laughs> wait, wait, was that, are you still working in cannabis? Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm uh, working, I work in cultivation now at the, at like, the, oh, cool. at the Grove Center. So yeah, that's cool. Oh, wow. The Grove? Like, no, like, <laughs> like yeah, I work at the Grove, at the Apple store where we grow weed. <laughs> what is the, are you, did you say Grove or did no, I? No, grow. Like we're in the, the Grove oh, side of it, yeah. like the cultivation. Like thinking cause maybe there is like a weed Grove. Like, cause I, I'm like, I'm, I'll show it to you on the camera here because like, I trust you, but this is audio only that's getting released. So, but like, yeah, I have a state license for weed. <laughs> like, oh my God. Yeah. Pretty cool, huh? <laughs> I love this development in your life. Yeah, um, there's been a lot of plot twists lately. It's been fun. I mean, with the exception of the world completely collapsing around me. Is a grove a an actual... Sorry to go back to the word grove. What is a grove? That's what I'm wondering. I like to think of Grover <laughs> from Sesame Street. It's a small wood without underbrush or a planting of fruit or nut trees. So it's almost like. Okay, I get it. I get it. Like I saw like uh, I growing up uh, where I did in Southern California in my childhood in the 80s. There were several developments that are now big housing like in tracks and stuff in Orange County 
but it used to all be like literally orange groves and like lemon groves and shit. Oh, cool. Yeah, I feel like that's what it's like a less like cult, like less curated orchard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's what it is. It's like a, okay. that's a I think that's a great way. Le- How many curated orchards? Are you <laughs> <laughs> oh, honey, I've got three to my right. <laughs> curated orchard sounds like a that sounds like a class like way a uh like a like a like british royalty says that they strip trim their pubes like <laughs> is saying what that you need to tell the orchard yeah like uh oh there's a bit of under underbrush in my orchard <laughs> oh underbrush <laughs> um Scott, I don't even the story. So I, I'll just okay. I'll just tell so you. So you have to start us. No, I like this. This is this is a good story because I like being. Able I was to digress. This is, we're, I like, not... we're doing this like a Scorsese movie where we we have a narrative, but we're constantly digressing right. from the narrative to go off a little tangents. This is good stuff. By the way, Scott, did you know Dolly Parton's brother died? What? Yesterday, and How? we're talking today. How did he die? I don't know. I saw it in the news. And then I fell asleep meditating. <laughs> no, I saw it. Did, he, it what, what, like, please tell me, like, it wasn't like a coal mine really accident or something like that. Because, like, right. like, if Dolly Parton's brother died in a coal mining accident, that would be the ultimate symbol of how capitalism is a failure. He died of cancer. Oh, okay. Well, you could get cancer in a coal mine. It's so sad. Okay. Yeah. He's 67. How old? 67. Oh, man, that's young. It's pretty young, isn't pretty young, it? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I, I have a weird perspective yeah. on, like, age. Because, like, my dad died when he was right. 44. <laughs> right. Like, I was going to ask. I remembered he died. He died young. Yeah. So, it's like, when he died when he was 44. So, when I hear someone, like, someone died at 67, I'm like, Oh man, bonus years. <laughs> right, I know. No, I know. My mom died at sixty-eight, so around that age. Yeah. So Let's... my mom, my mom uh, turned seventy this summer, actually, which is interesting. Oh, really? Yeah, she'll be seventy, which is wow. I got like you can't play the. I'm still young at heart card at that point anymore. You're basically just in a second you hit seventy. Your uncle Junior from The Sopranos. That's how I. That's how I see it. Like, has your mom come out to Las Vegas at all? No, no, she doesn't come out west much. Like, uh, like, yeah, mm. they don't. They don't come. Like, they came and visit. They'll come visit my brother maybe occasionally in Orange County because he's got the kids and stuff. And my brother listens to the show. Okay. show. Shout out, Brett. Love you, bro. You're the man, dude. <laughs> we love you, Brett. We, Brett. We love you. And no, I, I I don't mind like like bringing him up on the show because he's not on social media anymore, so it's right. like people can't harass him. <laughs> so I'll bring I'll bring him up. He's a good guy. I'm jealous. Did he just decide to quit social media? Yeah, he was just like yeah, like because his wife's like on it for all the kid photos for them. So it's just like hey, like I I'll, I'll get the highlights from her, right? <laughs> and uh, at a me like i'm kind of a junkie with it where it's like oh no i need to like 
I need to make the original like dick joke of the day or whatever. Like it's right. It's something that that's that's dear to my heart. I I had a weird like I've been going through a weird thing. Like if you, I mean, my social media struggles. I don't think anyone's <laughs> interested in. But I gotta say, like I had that viral tweet a couple of months ago, and it was it's it's like haunting me ever since. And it's like, I never want to go viral again. I know a lot of people are like, I just want to go viral. That's, But it's like, it literally became a nightmare situation. I, I kind of want to write a horror short just about a guy going viral. Because <laughs> it's just like, I couldn't well, use I Twitter know. for a while. I don't, yeah. It was like, I had like 168,000 likes or whatever on it. It's like, I couldn't even go on there without that tweet being fucking brought to my attention nonstop. It's like, it was a stupid joke I wrote drunk one night. And I woke up in the morning to 50,000 likes. I'm sorry. <laughs> so, so well, do you want to tell your listeners what the joke was? If you and- are Honestly, if you're one of the people that followed me off that viral tweet and you listen to the show, I will suck your dick or, or boobs. <laughs> no, I won't. But I will definitely like give you a fat shout out or whatever. Email me at the podcast at gmail.com. And you're like, is that a threat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You can suck my dick? Oh, man. I, <laughs> I met it metaphorically. Come on, Lizzie. You've known me longer than that. I, you know, I just had Tess on recently, and, and, I, and you're in the same boat with me. I've known y'all since uh, for four presidents now. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. Well, we met in like the Bush years. And then Obama, then... Did we really yeah. meet in the... Wow. And if you're the... Yeah, it's wild, where, right? Scott, where were you when Obama was elected? I, uh, well, I was still registered to vote in Whittier at the time. So I got off my job in Silver Lake, and me and my friend who was, lived in West Hollywood, who was also still registered in Whittier, Tom Beecher, I think he listens to the show, we uh, drove to Whittier to go vote in our old junior high gym, and we voted for Obama. But by the time we got there, the radio was already telling us it's over. And so it was like we were just going to do it symbolically at our junior high, and we drove back like and gleefully drank at my pad for a while. I just picture a janitor with a cigarette being like, show's over, boys. It's like an old, like, Cloris Leachman character. It's <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you didn't know what it was like during the big one, did it, you boys? <laughs> but no, and then uh, and then I remember going to the Hollywood Hotel, like, in the... the That's where the, I was? Yeah, and, like, so I remember... Val- because I, I felt like maybe we were in the same yeah because val i remember val myers and a couple other pe- like and matt peters i think a couple others picked me up at my pad and we went over f- from there and everybody got hammered like way too hammered that night it was the best yeah it and- was the that was an exhilarating night. I still and there then are a he lot crushed of- the fucking Occupy movement. And never, no one trusted him ever again. <laughs> Wait, do you have you seen pictures of that night? I think I have. I think I'm tagged in a couple on Facebook yeah. that like still pop up occasionally. Yes. 
Yeah, I think Jazz and her mom took a bunch of photos. Yeah, I have uh, Jazz has a. There's a lot of pictures of her because I had my thirtieth there, like right after that. Okay. And uh, there's a. Bunch I was of, probably there. I think you were there. I think you performed there, actually. I'm not gonna say. Like for some reason, we did a comedy show for my birthday instead of just getting blackout drunk, which was stupid. Like we should have just got blackout drunk. There's no. There's no reason for anyone to do comedy. But since it was Hollywood Hotel at that time and place in America, you did stand up if you had that room booked. I have two memories in my mind of times that I felt like we really became friends. What are those? One was at a Halloween party at Marianne Sirk's house. Do you remember this? Yeah, I think I was. Okay. I remember smoking with you. Um, yeah. I don't know. I just remember being like, oh, I'm really good friends with Scott. Like, I remember it, like, clicking kind of. Yeah, I remember one of the one of my favorite times with you was when I did my old podcast, Scotty Mouth, and we recorded together. But then you gave me a ride back from there. And we were listening to Dolly Parton on the way back and just like, yes. and we had knocked back a couple four locos during the show. So we were just like raging down the highway, <laughs> which probably not the safest thing in hindsight, but those were the good old days. Like, Aren't you glad looking back? I'm like, I should have been safer in so many yes. ways. Oh my God. Well, no, like, well, especially- I don't know. was I driving? I think so. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I wasn't definitely definitely not driving. Uh, uh, I always worried about you and Hannah Ganson out of my friends in comedy more than anyone because you're always doing these fucking shows in weird alleys and behind dumpsters and whatnot all over town, and you're carrying these huge keyboards, which just it's like open season target kind of thing. And so I would okay. always tell you guys, like, hey, if you need to walk to your car, be safe. I, always would try and do that for you because like i was always terrified when you guys were going to get fucking mugged for your keyboard on the way home and i know thank you thank you for offering to do that not everybody does it's a weird i don't know like like because so many of these comedy places are in like weird venues like just the weirdest places i'm gonna say even in a playing a club where like the condo is like kind of far away in a city like Sometimes I've been like, is someone going to offer? Like, okay, good night, everybody. Lights snap off. and You're just like, okay, I guess it's just me. It's just me. Uh, uh, They got Uber out here? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trying to hit up an audience member. Remember me from the stage? (laughs) Remember how you just paid to watch me? (laughs) Can I get a ride? Really bad place right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I do appreciate that. So that, and then I also remember, I, I just like have such a strong association of you with Silver Lake Lounge. Oh yeah, you know that was my home for a while, basically. <laughs> yeah. I, like there was uh, there was times where I would just go like because Mario is my I I'm still in touch with Mario by the way the bartender there. Oh cool. And he he's come, supposed to come out and visit me in Vegas once all this bullshit ends and and we've been in touch but like. Like there were so many like weird things about the Silver Lake Lounge because it's like my first introduction was when Emily Emily Maya Mills, Kimberly Clark, uh, started the their show there, and like people forget in the early days of the Silver Lake Lounge Friday night open mic they started there, like Aziz Ansari would show up there, like you know Natasha Leggero, like it was like crazy that they would book like six 
amazing comics and then it would just be like an open mic the rest of the night well, i just say it's a good room for comedy it, it is of like it, in some ways right like it's pretty long but it's actually like it has a stage the wall is black there's a stool there's a sound system like i would say it's better than a lot of rooms that people create intentionally for comedy no it is like if 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 it was just a rumor, like if you could expand it, like let's say you could just knock out the coffee shop next door and put the bar in there and make that room just a performance room with a bar separately, it would be the most perfect room for music, right. for music and comedy. Because like people forget, like the Breeders back, like a lot of really good, like the Pixies used to play right. there. Isn't there like a Silver Sun pickups? Yeah, that, that, like literally, yeah, th- that band. Is basically because of that liquor store across the street from playing there. Like that's oh right. They right, named right. it like the, it's the Silver oh. Sun Plaza. Is that little? I never connected. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the loud, like yeah, because you you've done my show. Like anytime I book the show, you're always one of my go to friends for those. And like you're like you've done like I think almost every room I've ever booked at a certain like basically. Okay. My, so laugh across America. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's talk about the Stardust. Laugh across America. I the ghost of Frank Rosenthal is in the background. Can I tell you how scary it was? Because I got there and they were like, you're going to need to. They were like, we'll light you at seven minutes. And I'm like, I don't have seven minutes. Yeah. <laughs> it was all like, what was the audition? Like three minutes? I was so stressed out. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing here. And like people were good. The people, other people performing. Yeah, were... There's probably people there that have been doing comedy for 15, yes. 20 years. It was <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I am so out of, is it called out of my depth? What is yeah, that? I think, I think that, that applies I was, here. It was out of my depth. And also there were like Joanne Worley from like Laughing was one of the guests. Oh, that's like, pretty cool. Oh, it was, it was anyway. So that was my. That was like a Las Vegas experience that was just like, for me, probably that's the one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did you get hammered that weekend after that or anything? Like- well, I had, I met a guy there, first of all, of course. Oh, God. <laughs> Honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised if he's still like kind of orbiting, you know? I just can't even go into it. I met this guy who asked <laughs> wanted to continue things with me, Was even he a though. Comic? Yeah, he lived in New York, and he'd be like, "Let's just like talk on the phone and have dinner on the phone." Like this was before even like. <laughs> Maybe he wanted to Skype or something, and I was like, "I can't yeah, do that." No, no, no. So, like, what are we doing? You know. But so I met a guy there, and then I also had a couple friends. This really funny comedian um elaine thompson from minnesota came out just to come out she was like elaine was like this attorney who did really you know she was like in her mid-40s but she did really shocky sex material and she was really funny like she would start off talking about you know being a lawyer but then it would always end like fuck me in the ass or whatever She just had she she was a really good joke writer. She's still alive. I'm talking about her. Talking she, about her but that whole life, it's weird how you feel like you have lived so many lives in one life at a certain point. Yeah. You know? No, uh, I've heard this theory of like everybody's a different person every seven years. 
And I think that really applies. Like, right, because your cells regenerate. It's like yeah. a new cell. Right? Yeah, you're a new per. I mean, you have new experiences in those in that time. Like your your focus shifts. You know, like for most people, it's becoming a parent. I'm like, fuck the. <laughs> like I still like I become a new person every few years. You know, like kind what of. What if I turned to the left and my room was just full of beanie babies? Like I haven't changed <laughs> at all. You're like, I'm like, yeah, I've changed. <laughs> If you had a room full of Beanie Babies right now, I would say let's like auction these off for like pediatric cancer and see if they're actually if we can actually make these things worth something again. (laughs) That is so funny. Today I was like, I wonder if I have anything that would work on Antiques Roadshow. Anything. I think I do. Really? This is crazy. But okay, my mom had all this old film splicing equipment, like like 1920s, 1930s film splicing equipment when she was moving out of her house in Whittier a few years ago. You can't sell your mom, Scott. And I, I will, but <laughs> it was her grandfather's and her grandfather was the guy who cut and sh- and screened the first screening of Gone with the Wind. So I took that stuff and it weighs fucking thousand pounds and I've taken it on a few moves since and I moved it all the way from LA to Vegas. But I might possibly have in my possession the original film splicer and real that showed the original screening of gone with the wind like the first the premiere screening because they did him he was my grandfather my great-grandfather was the projectionist at the fox theater in riverside and that's where they did all the screenings back then a lot of the big screenings because it was halfway to palm springs and all the 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 movie stars would want to go party thereafter so they would do these big screenings there my grandmother is as a child is in a gone with the wind documentary on the gone with the wind box set dvd i have where it shows her as a kid and she got to go to that original screening. Like, so I might have the original, like, do you think that would be worth something on Antique Roadshow? If I can authenticate, but the thing is I got to authenticate it. I don't know. I'm still stuck on my bad joke. You can't sell your mom, Scott. Oh, I, Which sell my mom. I would sell my mom up the river tomorrow. That <laughs> I said that and thought it was funny. Yeah, I would sell my mom tomorrow. I, she's um, 50 bucks. Wait, so it's the original copy it's the splicer of Gone with the like the yeah. the the, uh, the machinery that spliced the original reel and showed it in theaters in the first screen. I mean, if anything, you can sell it to QVC. You're like it slices and dices, <laughs> <laughs> slices and dices. We need to get a QVC show. I Scott. think I think that's the Lizzie Cooperman Scott Bowser crossover the world's been waiting for. I would love it. What would we sell on QVC? Like jewelry? Yeah, sure. But what kind of jewelry? Shark's tooth jewelry? Scott, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I've invented a couple things. What have you? Oh, shark tank me up and down the street. Let's go. I have brought this up. So, okay. No, say shark. Greet me as sharks. I present to you <laughs> garbage. Okay, I'm listening. Okay, okay, you got my attention. Mr. Wonderful, I think you're going to love this. Basically, and by the way, I think since I had this idea between then and now, someone else created this. I'm not kidding, because it is a good idea. No, this happened to me. I had a great idea for... Uh turning payphone old payphones into mobile phone charging stations that are solar powered and i'm and you i'm starting to see them now okay 
you know what? This world, if I were just this much smarter, I would get so much done. <laughs> I would keep having this thought lately because I feel like everything is so such a racket. Just for right people now. listening at home, but Lizzie was using both hands to uh, provide a six foot gap on how much smarter she needs to get. <laughs> <laughs> That was just a a touch, a pinch smarter, but I but lately I have been thinking the other way where I'm like, if I were just a touch dumber, I would be so screwed. Or if I had just one less friend, or if I knew <laughs> one less fact, I would not be able to function in this world. I think sometimes I I agree with you. I feel like if I like I'm three people away from just being like the hobo like the schizophrenic guy on the street corner like screaming baseball stats at random people like i i'm so close to being that guy <laughs> i i wonder if something's like if if this is true about us or if it's our self-perception i think it's more self-perception honestly because i look at you and i'm like this is one of the more talented people i've ever met in my life and i'm not like blowing smoke up your ass or anything on that like you you've continually blown my mind for fucking years. Like, and like constantly so funny. And like, and like, I know you've worked a lot of jobs in the entertainment industry where it's like, they're not exactly in your wheelhouse, so to speak. And and they're kind of like trying to put a fucking round peg into a square hole type of situation. And you always handle it with grace class and like really handle it when like, I can tell when you're not enjoying like a writing job or something because I'll see you on stage that week and you'll just bring it on another level. And that's because <laughs> <laughs> you're like, I can't say this kind of shit anywhere else. <laughs> and like, and yeah. no, I know I've always really appreciated that about you, Lizzie. Like, Thank you so much. Oh, the idea. And I have nice things to say about you too, but uh, no, let me... no, no. this is not the show for Sharks. that. <laughs> Sharks? Okay. I present you. How many of you go on road trips or you just drive around and you accumulate garbage? Hi, I'm gay shark Mark Cuban. And yes, I uh, <laughs> I uh, definitely uh, accumulate a lot of garbage on my gay road trips throughout South America. Is Mark Cuban gay? No, no. I actually met him out here uh, like last fall oh. and he was great. It was really cool. Like, well, the fall be... I say last fall because I feel like last fall was the one before the shutdown. So <laughs> fall hey, of 2019. Now? Are you just trying to, why are you saying he's gay? Now? <laughs> no, no, it's just a fucking oh. stupid bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's just interesting. Cause I was just talking to my um, therapist about like hypersexual men and their sexual, their, uh, yeah, I'm sexual. hardly hypersexual. I'm hyper gambler, but <laughs> I met Mark Cuban. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. He's definitely hypersexual. <laughs> but like hyper masculine, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I know what you mean. Because like he's an alpha though. It's gotta let everyone know he's an alpha. Yes, yes. Um anyway, so what I would like to show you is garbage. So this is a garbage can that you can clip onto the back of the passenger seat. So say you're driving, you eat, let's just say a Nature Valley protein bar. I like those. Stranger to those. Okay. You eat a Nature Valley. What would you normally do? You take the wrapper, either shove it in the thing to your left, that little compartment. Okay. Yeah. Put it on the floor. 
the center, right? the, the center console's got a couple cup holders that I've already filled with trash. Exactly. So this way, you just press a button, the lid comes up on your garbage, which is clipped to the back of the passenger seat. You toss it in and it closes. Now, how does this affect, uh, uh, I am uh, the guy that, I'm speaking as the shark that invented FUBU now. Sure. <laughs> Oh, Damon. Damon. Yeah, uh, Damon. I'm Damon now. Okay. So, hey, cuz. <laughs> Sorry, that was a cheap joke. I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> but, no, so Damon. how does this affect the person sitting behind that passenger seat? Well, this is for people who don't have their lives together enough okay, to have Okay, okay. <laughs> this, is a, this is a product for me. Go on. <laughs> That is a great question, actually, and something that I, I feel I should address at some point. Yeah, because there's always going to be like the time you got to pick people up or something. or Because I feel like this is the kind of thing that could really work really well for Uber drivers. If, and if we can get a partnership with Uber, you know, I'm willing to invest, you know, $500 for a 20% seat. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like you, like, that is the million dollar question you just asked. And that's the reason my life is falling apart is I never figured that out. <laughs> you didn't figure out the garbage. I never thought about, I never picture someone sitting in my back seat. I never think, Oh, when I have a family, what, how's this going to Yeah, I mean, it? cause like if, if you can make this like a, like a contoured shoot type of situation. Right. That goes down the back. I'm, I'm thinking like, I think you, were you thinking of more of a cylinder type shape? I was thinking of it rectangular, but kind of slender, like. Yeah. Okay. I'm like a, almost like shape. a paper, like a like a like something you'd put a paper shredder into. Yes. Yes. I'm on. Th- I'm on board with this. Okay. So. And thinking it could also compress, so there would be one setting where you go, uh, and it would just compress the garbage down. Yeah, like a like a telescoping situation. Yes. Okay, so what if we can do I don't know, a telescoping situation. You know, like uh, we're one layer smaller than the next, so you can actually hit shut, have it close down all the way to like a couple inches, and then it expands all the way back up. Scott, you just solved it. That's it. That's how this would work in a car with a family. Now, how about someone who doesn't have that kind of budget? I have an idea for you on this. Something that connects right behind that center console. Just a little small shoot, a little small for for the person that you're thinking of. That's alone, sad, sitting in their car, <laughs> not knocking back dollar items from a local fast food restaurant, and just throwing those wrappers all over nilly willy style. Yeah, you put that right. Nilly, nilly, not nilly willy. Never trying to pass off nilly willy on me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well I, mean, I can't picture that. I can't picture that. So yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm I'm. Right, and especially now with COVID, you've got the gloves, the masks. Like you don't want that stuff just hanging around in your car. I personally have a vat of latex that's bubbling nonstop, and I jump in it every morning before I leave for work, and I jump out completely covered, and I carve a couple eye holes and breathing no. holes, and then I'm I'm completely fucking sealed from humanity as i go on my way to work yeah and then i get there and i get there and i tear it off like i'm a fucking animal like i'm the guy who just won the world series i don't know 
I'm a little bit. It's got, are you, do you really wear a lot of PPE or whatever? Yeah. I mean, my work, I'm like, I wear scrubs every day. Like we were like, I mean, change gloves like every hour, non like surgical masks, hairnets, the whole nine. Like, I mean, I, I, I should, I should dress up in my work attire one day and take pictures at home with like the booties on my feet and everything. Cause it's like, I do look like I was telling a couple of coworkers. It's like, dude, I could walk into a hospital in my scrubs and all that and just start walking around and doing stuff. And I don't think anyone would say over to me. <laughs> You're like, I just gave four prostate exams. <laughs> just have shit up to my elbow. <laughs> like, I, you know I mean? I'm an essential worker. <laughs> I do have to say everything needs to be and not to make this a COVID podcast, but like everything needs to be outside right now. There are things I need done. I need to go to the doctor. I need it to be outside. I had to get massive dental work done during all this. And that was terrifying. Like having to go in and open my mouth for fucking an hour at a time or whatever. Like, like, dude, like, yeah, it sucked so much balls. And like, and here's the thing is I needed it. And I I didn't have the money at the time and my insurance hadn't kicked in yet. So, like, I had to go fund me that, and, like, you and a lot of good friends kicked in and helped out, and people I had never met, like, and it was amazing, and I was able to get it covered, but that was, like, two weeks before this all hit. If I had had that tooth problem two weeks later, this that never happens for me, and I'm sitting around with, like, broken fragments in my mouth every day, like. I don't. I'm sorry. I'm Didn't mean to make it so much of a bummer. There. No, I'm sorry you had to go through that. It's it's I, I know. Look at now though. It looks amazing. Yeah, I got a brand new bridge. Like they put like yeah, they fixed it all up. You know, I can I can eat chicken wings again. It was so nice because the chicken. <laughs> like, you have no idea how much that meant to me. Like, really, really big. Uh, me getting dipping that. If you're a ranch blue cheese person, you can go to hell. It's blue cheese. You gotta go the blue cheese and just like, cause like I would just oh. like, like, look at chicken wings and eat the celery and carrots that came with them. And now I get to go full Monty on. It's great. The task of the dentist. He was like, okay, bring in the wings. Let's see if he can handle. And I still need. Here's the thing: is I probably still need another fifteen thousand dollars worth of dental work done. Because of- let's not think about all this. I lost <laughs> my retainer during COVID. Like I, I am yeah. Yeah, so you know, like we're a hobbled, cobbled mess. And I just want you to know you got a friend out here in the desert, so when shit hits Mad Max time, you can come out here. I think you would thrive as a Tina Turner type in a Thunderdome situation. <laughs> like <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah, 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 yeah. I've already oh, thought this the venue. What's that? Thunderdome, the venue. Have you ever, you've seen Mad Max Thunderdome, right? Beyond the Thunderdome. Like, with, oh, oh. With Tina, no, the I... one with Tina Turner? <gasps> no. You've never seen Mad Max Beyond the Thunderdome? Holy shit, Lizzie. I'm disappointed in someone I list as a sister on Facebook right now. Because this was required viewing in, my, in the Bowser household growing up. I'll tell you that right now. I have to tell you, I never got through Mad Max because I didn't like the aesthetic. I thought it was too orange. <laughs> okay, I could see that. Australians are a little weird. 
I just thought the aesthetic was like a little like I just felt like it, there was no. Are you a fan of the Sergio Leone spaghetti westerns at all? No. Because it's a too orange of an aesthetic kind of thing. Yeah, I think I feel like. Yeah. I feel like uh, those movies, like having lived in the desert for almost two years now, I gotta say there's some beautiful colors that occur out here out of nowhere with the way it all works. And like I live near the Red Rock National Preserve. It's like a national, like a state park kind of thing or national park, whatever. And like literally, it's like red rocks. Like it looks so cool. Like in the context of the desert, like it, it's so beautiful. Like some, I, I have to say, leaving LA is correct. I I think I made the right call at the right time, at least. Yes, you did. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. I I the place I have here, like I mean, my place in LA, like you dropped me off there a few times, like the my old apartment in East Hollywood, where it's like that was like like. I had to go down the street to use the laundromat because the laundry machine's got bed bugs in my building. Like, Can you please call it a laundromat and not a laundromat? A laundromat? <laughs> a la- that sounds weird. It says laundromat. Laund- but that's, is, that's how right? they spell it. You're right, though. You're right. Hey. I mean, I bet you, I think some billionaire probably copyrighted laundromat. So everybody would have to, every poor person that owned one would have to pay him a kickback. And then that that's how I see it. That's, you know, it's always a you had to lug your laundry down the street. Yeah. And it was always horrible. It would be a, like, like in a suitcase or what? Now I got laundry in my pad. I can walk right around. The, I, I can wash this hat I'm wearing right now if I want to. <laughs> and the crazy thing is like, OK, I'm, I don't know what you're paying for rent. You live in Los Feliz, right? Did, no. Did you know I was in New Mexico? I did. Are you in New Mexico now? Um, can we edit this part out? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was in New Mexico until last weekend. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, you you, you yeah, did yeah. tell me you were in New Mexico. Yeah. yeah, I don't know why. I've had the feeling lately of like just being very. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You're crafty. <laughs> well, I'm trying to be crafty I just kind of loved the feeling of being away and I think mentally I'm not ready to be back you know what I mean I and totally I think I think I'm gonna leave again soon I'll tell you right now you could probably afford to buy a house here in Vegas and then retire here whenever you want like or Airbnb it and make money while you're like places are so cheap here compared to like like California and shit okay. it's insane like with New Mexico, I was looking at houses there actually, thinking. Yeah. The reason I went to New Mexico is I, I had been there twice, and both times I was there, I thought, oh, if I ever get to retire, this is where I want to go. Yeah, no, I, I see that. Yeah. Um, the desert's a cool place to retire. I'm, I'm, it's so beautiful there. Have you been to New Mexico? Been, uh, like when I was a little kid, and I don't remember. Okay. okay. But yeah, I mean, I, I've seen pictures. Right. And no, I have been like throughout all of Southern Nevada, like most of Northern Arizona. So like I do know how this desert looks. Like I I know it's a little different. It's crazy because like you can tell the difference like from Arizona to Nevada. Like it's like a difference going across that river. Like it's you can see it. Like it's really weird. Even though it's still desert, it's just slightly different. 
Arizona, like even when I stopped for gas there, I just get such a like Republican vibe. For me, it's not even like Republican as much as just like, uh, I mean, it it is Republican, but it's like, uh, it's a, I just want to have this fucking thing on my thing. And that's all I, where it's like really aggressive about it. Where Nevada definitely has a side of that, like of like. I stand my ground out here in the desert, boy, and I got my concealed weapon permit to do that. And like, I mean, there's definitely that vibe here, but like, there's like, like, there's also like legal sex work, like legal fucking weed, legal, like, legal gambling, obviously, like everything. So like, where it's like, it's impossible for them to not be pro- somewhat progressive here. Like even the even it's the most they just have the most churches or something in the country. Yeah, no, just, like you know who a lot of the casino workers are actually are Mormons. Like Mormons basically built Vegas, like or, or were the original settlers of Vegas, and they realized, hey, this is a money maker with illegal gambling. Let's tell the Mormons don't imbibe in it at all, but work there, own the places, do this, do that by howard hughes when he owned the uh when he bought the sands or whatever, or whatever casino he bought here uh he had his mormon mafia like he had all he had all mormon guys because they were the only guys in town that weren't connected to the italian syndicate and so it's like like the italian jewish old school syndicate those guys have been controlling vegas since bugsy siegel but when howard hughes come in he, he had his mormons with them and they essentially brought in the corporate Vegas as we know it now for guys like Steve Wynn and whatnot to come in and take and make their money. Right. Steve Wynn. Oh my God. The ads for Wynn casino were so easy. They were just in the middle of the pandemic. Like, yeah, all you need, like, hey, I'm the only place open. I'm the biggest asshole on the planet. Look it at was- me. Crazy. I, he might be the richest living person here now because Sheldon Adelson just died. Is Steve when he lives there? I don't know if he lives here. I don't know. I am so curious. I would imagine he does. Like, he owns a, quite a bit of fucking real estate here. Oh, my God. He looks exactly the way you would expect him to look. Yeah, he look uh, for people not looking at a picture of Steve Wynn right now, neither am I, but I will describe him. He looked like... Um, someone coming out of George Costanza's asshole <laughs> during a Seinfeld deleted scene. It was... Wild. He, yeah, he like you know his yeah. his is like right across his hotel is like right across from Trump Tower, which is literally like right across from where I work. Like if I look out the office window of the floor I work on, like it's Trump Tower, and. In fact, like like last month, like during like the shortest time of the year with the late December there, like as like we're going down to uh, winter solstice, like the Trump Tower, the sun would hit it at a certain angle every day and it would literally shine a golden shower into our office every fucking day. It was like the end of the day. It's you get gold from Trump Tower shining into every. I'm trying to find different stuff in there, like different things we need, paperwork and whatnot, and it's just, uh, Trump fucking Tower. 
is it kind of nice to see all of that like on display? So it's like in Vegas, it's like it's not hidden. Everything's just out there in plain view. Well, it's funny. Like, you know, Trump Tower is like the only like major huge monstrosity hotel here that doesn't have a gaming license because he bankrupted so many Atlantic City casinos. They couldn't get a gaming license here. So if you go there, you can't gamble. It's basically apartments for the rich. So like, like that's all it is. It's like rich people that want to have apartments in Vegas get them there through them through him. And I I have a feeling it's gonna go under. Well, here's the thing I wanted to do. I think it will go under. I should start a GoFundMe for this. Oh, I I'm pretty sure I I don't know, but I should start a GoFundMe for this project I have because I want to get like there's so many disabled veterans in that area right around there that I give dollars to after work almost every day, not to fucking you know. Talk about how great, no, what is that, virtue signaling? How how cool I am with the homeless vets? But, like, for reals, like, there's a camp literally down the street from there that they're living in. And, like, I would love to just get them all on a big bus and pull up in front of Trump fucking hotel and take them all to the restaurant there one day and be like, this guy says he loves the troops. I figured we should give some former troops some meals today and see how quickly we get kicked out. And how awesome of footage we get for fucking the internet of him kicking a bunch of homeless fucking disabled vets out of his fucking hotel, like out of his restaurant. Where it's like, I'm paying, I'm buying the whole thing. Like, I don't see what the fucking problem is. But it's like, it's like at this point, like if he if you ignore him, he'll go away. I, I, and I don't think people realize that with bullies. Like I, I had bullies growing up. Right. If you ignore them, they go away, one hundred percent. interesting he will pump the rest of his credit because he doesn't have money he'll pump the rest of his credit into starting a tv channel that will go under faster than a snake's dick like it's snakes have i think so hey so so, (laughs) hey do snakes have buttholes my my second grade teacher had a fucking boa constrictor or whatever in in the classroom that she kept there a snake that she kept there right and every you snakes have dicks you're looking at me right now like snakes have dicks no scott snakes and lizards have not just one but two penises oh yeah that's hot did you know that (laughs) No. no but i know about hyenas what is a hyena? Okay, okay. I want to go back to snakes stick because wait, I think I quick, do. then we'll go into hyenas after snakes. But my but the snake in my second grade classroom would leave huge dumps in there, but you would never see the butthole. And I was always amazed, like how do all these turds come out of this thing when I don't see a butthole anywhere? And I still can't figure that out. I there's probably a YouTube video out there right now of a snake taking a shit that I could look up, but I'd rather stay in my childlike state, and not. Not quite figure out how that works. Okay, hyenas. Let's get into it. First of all, they have hyenas. Yeah, it's lady dicks. It's they have the, sex six times a day. The females have the dicks in the hyenas. Oh, like yeah, yeah. It's a like like the male hyena. Like the hyena penis is so small that the female hyena vagina became a huge penis to go over the little nub and make it work. It's something like that. Yeah. I, I shit you not. It's fucking hilarious. Wow. That's what uh, my very first play I was in. I played a hyena. <laughs> Cause, 
<laughs> I don't know what gender I was, though. Well, I, I like to feel like hyenas at this point are pretty gender fluid. Where was this play at? Was it, was it in Minnesota? In kinder- it was my kindergarten play. Okay, okay. I was be like, like I was, I'm thinking of you auditioning in like, like 22. <laughs> like, so am I? What kind of hyena am I? Am I a hyena, lady hyena with a huge dick or a tiny dick? <laughs> no. Oh my god! You know the okay. first play I was in. This is gonna be sounds so pompous and awful. I was in a, a fourth grade production of James and the Giant Peach that I also directed. What? Because I read the book quicker than anybody in the class. I was just like, I was bored, and I told the teacher, I was like, hey, this should be a good play. Let me fucking do it. And they let me do it for some reason. I don't know how. Did have to be the peach? Uh, we we made a peach. But oh, you made a peach. Okay. Interesting choice as a director and then like i was trying to write it myself the whole thing but it turns right. out i can't adapt the 23 chapters in two weeks as a f- fourth grader so uh it became a class project where each group had to write adapt a different chapter or whatever into the into the, the script and then so i had to like and then, like you better believe i was the nazi that took that script and like came back to the teacher with like shit writ like crossed out like no it's gotta be this no it's gotta be that like he absolutely better believe i was a control he freak like that in fourth grade. like i mean we started this podcast me saying how big of a control freak i am and that's why i'm doing this well that, that was the early stages of that developing it is interesting you do like to run the show well no i don't most of the time like with stand-up i hate it but it's like some venues were nice to me and wanted me to do it. And I felt like it's like a community service type thing where it's like, you uh, need to have places for people to perform and you can't burn bridges at venues. They need to keep shit going. That makes sense. So that it was more pragmatic for me on that approach. Like, but like, I, yeah, no, like, I mean, yeah, it's. <laughs> but that's why I like doing this. Cause like, I don't have to go anywhere. I can sit here in my fucking kitchen I can fucking talk to you, talk to all my friends. We can have, we can joke, have good times. Uh, Do you feel like you're in some way kind of benefiting from the pandemic? Like, do you feel like it's improved your life in some ways? Well, I'll say this. I was kind of at a low going into it because I moved out here because an old childhood friend of mine uh, said he was going to help me. Uh, I was going to help him expand his pool business and I was going to own a piece of it. And I, That's sh- right. and I had a shitload of money. I was getting ready to invest into it. And guess what? He fucking ghosted me. Fucking just basically turned his back on me. Hasn't talked to me since last fall, like fall of 2019. Yeah. Like when he said like, and I was trying to get my driver's license out here and they needed me to take the driver's test here. Cause I hadn't had one in California in a while. And so like he, he even fucking flaked on, let me use the car after he told me a few times, like, it was a whole thing. Like, I mean, I should probably edit this part out, but I won't. And I just, I just won't say him by name. That's how I'll approach this. And if he's listening, he knows he did wrong. Because not once during the pandemic did he reach out and go, "Hey, are you guys okay?" Since I fucking a- left you fucking hanging high and dry. But fortunately, I had another friend that got me in the business that I used to work with in the cannabis business back in California, that that happens to fucking be doing well out here with it and got me in a very good situation. So, 
like yeah like i started this pandemic like at an all-time low of my life for reals and i'm coming i'm not saying i'm coming out of it bad yeah i guess i I mean i'm coming out of it in a better situation overall but i think i'm just coming out of it more like i'm more grounded if that makes sense like like i appreciate what i have so much fucking more like i'm so lucky to be in one of the one things in this town working full-time still you know like this is like the casino like pe- people that work in restaurants and casinos in here that's made the backbone of the sound for so long it's insane like and i, I have a girl yep. if he said you were gonna work with him and then disappeared maybe scott maybe he drowned <laughs> no he, he's still alive in the pool <laughs> Nah, nah, he's on Instagram. He's definitely so. <laughs> that would be a. Hey, that's a power move, though. I just realized. If you can, can you set up like a schedule on Instagram where you just keep reading pictures, like take a bunch of selfies, and then if you die, have them keep coming out. So people are like, I'm not really dead. <laughs> like I feel like with social media, you can live an extra year, and people right. not realize. Like you could time your twit. Like you can have robots post for you with stuff you've already done like thing on facebook where you say like that you died or something uh yeah no there's like a uh tribute page like option i think now like that's happened to a couple of fr- like uh gian molina old friend um we've had like his sister took his page over as a tribute page because if it's inactive for so long i guess they delete it and like okay. yeah it's really weird like Hey, when I'm on Facebook, I should, I just want to, I should give my, or I should give all my social media accounts to the most unhinged person ever when I die (laughs) and just be like, Hey, I have a bigger following than you ever did with your garbage, dude, like fucking just pump it out and see how long it is before people realize I'm dead. (laughs) But I got it. I'm morbid like that. I got it. I, I've always viewed death as like. Well, that's the last thing you ever do. So why even care about the last thing? Like it's just like you can't plan your you know last last like eh, fuck it like it'll happen when it happens like I'll be all right like right and that's part of the reason why I like doing this. I feel po- pretty zen. Yeah, like yeah, it's just uh, yeah. I, I uh I think I might be a Buddhist actually. <laughs> like I. I I'm not a Buddhist, but like the way I think about it all, like that's way more how I, because th- I feel like, like when I do die, like my energy will be released back into the world and like, you know, like it, who, it'll go somewhere. And that's, what's cool about where the age we like, think about this. Like, can you imagine if Karl Marx had the opportunity to have a podcast that we could listen to a couple hundred years later? That'd be fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah. I'm not comparing myself to Karl Marx, but we're very aligned politically. That's interesting. Wait, so so you do feel zen, pretty zen about it? Yeah, and you know, like uh, here's one thing. Like I, I, I mean, I do hate to talk about myself too much on this show because, like, everybody, people that listen have listened the same. I've told the same Kevin Costner or Kurt Russell watching me do cocaine story a million times. So it's like how many, how many times like, do, but like I like in the last like two years or so, especially I've kind of gotten to this point where I just decided to strip every way, everything away from my life that doesn't make me happy. 
and I only brought things like so it's like I don't watch cable news anymore for example like you know like I don't like there's certain things I just won't do because I, I and stand up was actually one of those like stand up quit bringing me joy it was really like, yeah I just I didn't enjoy it at all it was a I felt like it was a burden just to go to the show I like going to a show and watching my friends like you Paul Cornell Sean everybody Tess like but like you know like me personally going up there i started thinking of it as like this ultimate like masturbatory exercise that i wasn't feeling and if i'm not feeling masturb masturbation i shouldn't be doing it kind of thing <laughs> like and i can do that at home yeah like but I, I i like this format a lot more i like being able to podcast because it's like it's more long form i'm not like trying to squeeze it all in in a seven minute to 15 minute set or whatever a place like i don't know like we can Correct. i can talk to my friends i haven't i think the last time i actually saw you face to face and like we talked was right before i moved at the comedy garage you performed was it? i think at, it was at a show at mike holmes house i was thinking i was thinking that rafa's weren't you on that rafa's show right like the like the Friday before I moved. Oh, set list. Yeah, I was I was moving oh, like Tuesday, yeah. and you did the show like Friday. I want to say maybe not. It might have been Mike Holmes. No, that makes sense. It makes sense that it was at Rafa's. What year was that? Twenty nineteen, like two years ago, like May of twenty nineteen. Yeah. But yeah, like no, it's like it's. I do remember. I do remember, and I was sad that you were leaving. I remember. No, it's crazy. It's like like uh, I've had Tamara on here and like tests so it's like and it's so many people it's like oh fuck like some of my closest friends that i haven't talked to like i, I haven't seen you know it's like and that's part of the cool thing about the show because like and for people listening like, for people listening so thinking i'm getting too sappy and i haven't i've lost my edge fuck you you're a bunch of cucks um but like it's a weird thing where like i don't know i i felt i mean i grew up in la I grew up in Whittier. You know, I grew up in the area. Everybody I knew there was from somewhere else. And I felt like I needed to go somewhere else. Like, that was a big part of it for me. It's like, I didn't want to live in the same 25-mile bubble my entire life. I needed to fucking experience a different part of the world. Like, and so I picked the, <laughs> the entertainment capital of the world. Let's face it. Can I tell you, I never knew Bowser's Castle was a Super Mario thing until recently. Really? <laughs> like, oh, I love what Scott calls this his castle. Yeah, yeah, it's an absolute... I didn't yeah. never make the connection. I never, even like with the font and everything. Even I just, when I like ripped off the, the, the level from the, the game and used the exact font and did everything to a T, never done I, on you. I have only played video games a few times in my life. Oh. I mean, I've been to an arcade, but I've never really. I played Mario Kart with, uh, you know, Katie Crown. Mm -hmm. I play, played with her and Davey a couple times, like twice, three or four years ago. But I don't have any. I can see that, th like, I can see this being a cool career pivot move for you, Lizzie, is become <laughs> a fucking Twitch streamer for video games. And you're like, I've only played three games in my life. Let me try Duck Hunt. <laughs> Telling you that that could be a Wait, thing. That's a really good idea. Yeah, see, look at me. I'm fucking Moneybags Bowser over here. Let's talk. Okay, are people on Twitch? Because someone just 
you know what? Like, I've been thinking about starting a Twitch thing myself. Like, because uh, I talk about me gambling on games a lot. And I should do a stream of me gambling on the games. People can watch me and my reactions and what I'm doing and my thoughts as I'm sitting there fucking pumping money back to bookmakers. I love it. Wait, Scott, can I ask you? Um, you can ask me anything. Okay. Only fans. I know it's like mostly porn, it's right? It's mostly, yeah, like, uh, or, or you could do boudoir shots. <laughs> we could say it's boudoir shots. <laughs> I'm thinking about using it for something else, and I just don't know, like. I, I, I am thinking of. You sub- but let me ask you, look, do you subscribe to one specific person, or is it like. You either are part of OnlyFans. I think with OnlyFans, from uh, my friends that are on it, they've told me it's like you can kind of get in with like a package deal with a few other people. I don't want to do it. Yeah, so you would be like the the one non-porn one. I would just do a Patreon for you like yeah i just feel like it's more fun to do something like seedier but not yeah, no but yeah like yeah fully clothed and talk about kabbalah or whatever <laughs> like, yeah, like, i was thinking about starting an only fans where it's just me like because I've, I've put on some weight here during all this that's one thing i i do kind of regret and like uh i'm up to 270 pounds now it's like oh but there's, really? there's got to be some like gay chubby chaser only fans dudes that would be into just seeing my gut. <laughs> I feel like that's that. I think you're flattering yourself. <laughs> just kidding. Oh, wait, you'd be surprised what people will pay for. <laughs> okay, wait, Scott, can I just ask you, um, how much did you weigh before? When I left LA? No, like before the pandemic. Oh, probably like 235, 230. Oh, so you, okay. I've been like 35, 40 pounds, yeah. Okay. But it's like I've been making, like, I don't go out, you know, and I sit around making pasta like I'm in the prison scene in Goodfellas all day most of the time <laughs> when I'm not at work, which my job is pretty sedentary. Like, I'm sitting around most of the day. So it's like when right. I am at home, I'm doing the Goodfellas prison scene and making, like, steaks and pasta sauce and shit and like yeah i mean hey i've been i've been enjoying it I'm not <laughs> i've never seen goodfellas you've never seen goodfellas i feel like my i have co- a completely different set of references i should have wa- watched it before the po- what if you gave me a list of things to watch before the podcast i should have uh you know because i have a friend that lives that grew up out here that's never seen fear and loathing or casino and i'm like dude like how have you never seen like Two of the best movies made about your town that you grew up in. Casino's Sharon Stone, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, Casino's a powerhouse. Like, good, yeah. Like to me, Goodfellas is the maybe the best mob movie ever, just because it's the guys doing the most basic like steal cigarettes and sell them on the street corner scams. Where every other mob movie, it's like The Godfather. Where it's like this guy is like it's just a bunch of guys talking about controlling billion dollar construction contracts and it's like that's not relatable the guy stealing cigarettes and selling them is relatable right interesting like it's like more about the nuts and bolts about how like the low level hustlers operate versus like every other mob movie glorifies the guy at the top and there's this rise to power and all that. I think with those movies, to me, it's like the equivalent of watching sci-fi. It's like I'll never meet people like this. I'll never be part of this. Like I just don't see myself. 
No, I, relating to it in any way. Like, I, I guess, like, I started watching The Sopranos and I liked some of the characters, but it was so violent that I just decided not to watch it. Okay. If you ever decide to rewatch The Sopranos again, rewatch it from the angle I like to watch it. Because I've probably watched it like six, seven times at this point. Uh, but watch it from the mental health dark comedy angle. Uh-huh. It might be the best dark comedy ever created. Wow. Okay. And like it's because it's so grim, some of it. Like, right. and just like when you watch it, realize most of these people were comedy writers originally. Like, and it's like oh. it's a it's a comedy for them. Like, like they really wanted to highlight how like ridiculous and absurd these people's morals and values are. Right. And like, and then like the mental health side of it, it was like people talk about toxic masculinity a lot in the media nowadays. And well, yeah, this show's about the possibly most toxic male of all time but he's trying to better himself in therapy like there, there's something to it but it's like at a certain point like you can say oh well, he's just using the therapy to become a better criminal but there's still something there to that like there's like the biggest sociopath on the planet trying to better himself is a more interesting story than a pretty decent person being upset about like, you know like, like it's you like ozark you know I tried to get into the first season on it and I couldn't because it felt like it was one of those like breaking bad type shows where it's like, cause I, my favorite like crime shows of all time. I think the two best shows of all time are the, the Sopranos and the wire. I think the, that's like perfect, like TV writing. And with Ozark, I just kind of felt like I can't, like I can't relate to fucking like white collar money launderers. Right. Like, I can relate to, like, a fucking beat cop or a drug dealer, almost anybody. But, like, oh, I I was spared. Like, I remember watching that pilot going, like, these guys would have just killed him. They wouldn't have let him live to go launder money for him in the fucking hills. (laughs) That's ridiculous. They just murder you. (laughs) They they have their own money laundering operations already. They don't need you to do it. Like, Right. Okay. Interesting. But what's great, like, I mean, I was saying, like, the mob definitely still has a big stranglehold here in Vegas. And it's not like they don't own the account room anymore to do this skim and send the suitcases back to Chicago. What it is, is like they have the unions and then like they own the video poker operators that do the local dive bars in the neighborhoods. Or like, I mean, you got to realize like 7 Eleven and my local gas station have fucking vi- video poker in it. I have fond memories of my mom thinking that she figured out how to trick the video poker machine. Like my mom would be sitting at the dining room table smoking a cigarette. She'd be like, I need to go to the casino right now. Like, mom. She'd be like, no, 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 I figured it out. I have to go. I have to go. Like, like what are you talking? What if she was just like it was like she's like basically the Keanu Reeves in the Matrix at that point? Where she's just like she's inside the Matrix and just seeing it in code. And she's like, you guys aren't seeing the code like I'm seeing. It was like totally like Queen's Gambit. Like she saw on the ceiling. Yeah. Every every move. And she needed to, she needed it right See, away. I try and gamble just enough. And I usually do sports gambling, but I try and gamble just enough to get my, accumulate my points for an occasional steak dinner at one of the steak houses in the casino. Like I'm not trying to like, I understand how it works. It's just about acquiring points and not losing money. It's not okay. about making money. Did I ever tell you my 
I saw Gallagher in Las Vegas. Oh, fuck. Like, you know, we're going kind of late here, but uh, no, no, absolutely, you need to tell the story. I don't this, is a great, I... this is a great one to go out on, I feel. Do you know the story? No, I don't. And that's why I need to. If, you can't dangle a Gallagher in Vegas story in front of me and be like, yeah, you're right. We're going a little late. We should stop. No. Well, we're talking about this. <laughs> okay. I. I'm just like, is this going to turn into laugh across America? <laughs> Which I went with some friends. We drove there to see Gallagher. We knew it was going to be awful. We listened to the Mark Marin, the WTF episode. Oh, so the, yeah, this is a re- this is recent then. Yeah, it was recent. It was a few years ago. The thing is, we were we were also just going to Vegas. We were like, let's see just how bad this is. Yeah. Okay, when you go to Gallagher's show, the set, like the backdrop, you know, you'll see someone's comedy special. They'll have their name in lights or something. For Gallagher, it's literally a gigantic black garbage bag <laughs> with Gallagher written in faded crayon on it. Okay, like you can see his name. You can barely see his name. I'm on not going to try and digress too hard, but I'm just a picturing the shop foreman at the place where they had this made that they normally make garbage bags at. And he's like, what? They want, what? All right, I guess we'll do it. I mean, it was literally the most low budget. But the thing is, when we got there, he was standing. You know how you take pictures with people afterward or whatever? I I mean, yeah. standing in front of, and it was St. Patrick's Day. He was wearing like one of those shiny, like party city hats. Like the like the over-the-top shamrock hats, like. Yeah. But it wasn't even it. It wasn't even over the. It was like just a shiny plastic green hat, just standing there by this wall, and no one was lined up to get their picture taken with him. And he was doing it before the show. Like people would be like, "Oh, I guess I'll get a photo now and then." Walk. Yeah. Like, like if you get the photo with Gallagher up top, why are you even sticking around to watch the watermelon? <laughs> It was literally, that's so funny. It, it was literally like he didn't even get, he just wanted to do the show and get out of there or something. And we, so we were like walked past him, like hiding our faces. Like, I was, <laughs> I do I not, know any of the people you were with? Yes. Uh, it was Vince, Georgia, and Jesse Pop. Oh, that's, that's hilarious. Okay. It was really fun. It was a really fun weekend, actually. So we like hid our faces as we, as we walked past. So we go sit down um, in the theater and I am not even kidding you. Okay. Not only are his jokes just unbelievably racist, like yeah, no. jokes about Obama, jokes about gay people. He's, but they a, were he's the ultimate boomer, like reactionary comic in a certain way. They were dated in a way that you're like, that's not even a story. He'd be like, and you gays with, he said something about Eddie Bauer and we were just like, I don't don't even think I've seen that in a mall in 20 years. <laughs> and that's a gay, I haven't like, seen I, a mall in 20 years. <laughs> references were just like, what are they just didn't they maybe would have worked in like 91, maybe. That's how old the jokes were. So they he's got they some hot was, Dan Quayle potato takes going. It was actually disgusting. I think at one point I was like, that's racist. Like I think I just was like, you can't help but heckle. Yeah. He, he sucks. So you heckled he Gallagher? Also, that's amazing. 
I think, I don't think I said it loudly enough that he heard, but I was, I actually was, you know, it's like we went in there as a joke, but it was actually really deeply offensive. Yeah, truly. You, you went there as a joke. It turns out you're at an alt-right hate rally. <laughs> it was awful. So then, but let me tell you this too. He has a table of items lined up for the, his like big finale where he goes, you know, after all the street jokes he tells yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. He tells the jokes up. that he heard at the bar, like, and then he has, yes. he's going to go blow, he's going to smash some shit. Yes. If you looked at the item on the table, you could guess the joke. <laughs> and, and I was like, oh my God, I know every joke he's about to tell. Like, like this is so bad. The one I remember is like, he had a giant, you know, sized soy milk but it was chocolate flavored and i knew where the, i was like uh-oh oh, he's gonna no. health, these health nuts hypocrites oh you people with your soy milk think you're so healthy but then it's chocolate it, it was exactly the joke like any any object he had you were just like i see exactly what joke this is so Vince and Georgia couldn't handle it. They started walking out. <laughs> and I guess this, I was like, I want to watch more. I think I may have been there alone. Jesse may have gone with him. I may have been sitting alone in the, in the theater. But like Vince and Georgia aren't really stand-ups, right? Like that, uh, like. That... Yeah, Vince, Vince has done stand-up on TV and stuff. Okay, okay. I, I always think like. Anyway, but but, but stand, they, I, I feel they, like uh, for those like you dedicated to the art. There's a certain like bliss of watching a horror show. It was better, crazy. like, like because you see so much mediocre comedy, you rarely right. see great comedy. But when you see it that bad, you gotta stick around. Like, okay, so they, I guess they said to the usher, "This is so fucking bad." And the usher goes, "You think it's bad? I have to sit through it every single night." Oh the usher, God. the usher said that. Oh my god! It was so funny. Like even the person paid. It was just like everyone. Well, I think think about an usher at a Gallagher show too, where he's he's probably got to like pick up a fucking dustpan and sweep some shit up after. Like, oh my god, that's so true. You turn into it a was, maintenance guy real quick. It was. It was like yes, we wanted to like I could not stop thinking about it because I was like, how dare you like. It's just like to think that you actually have people who have who feel nostalgia toward you, have them buy tickets to a show and then spew this just disgusting, hateful jokes in front of a garbage bag. <laughs> it was so it was just now you know, a, you know about Gallagher, too, of course. Yes. Okay. And he so. So for our listeners that aren't yes. aware of this, Gallagher, the famous watermelon smashing comedian famously sold amongst comics at least famously sold his act to his brother who went by the name gallagher too and did the same bit but so gallagher had to recreate his act after he sold it to his brother couldn't do the old jokes anymore so he turned it into i like nazis i mean basically like, like wait hold on didn't gallagher though i think there's a gallagher three foot to his brother yes there was a Gallagher Brothers lawsuit. Oh, and like I, I haven't gone, I haven't dug that deep into it. It's like this is just stuff like, as you know, like comics talk about when we're hanging out, where it's like 
Hey, you hear about Gallagher's brother suing Gallagher suing his brother? Like that's the kind of thing you say during a cigarette break before you go on stage. Like, oh man, that's some crazy shit. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, like so like, <laughs> like I'm sorry I'm laughing so hard here, but yeah, there's like a Gallagher lawsuit. I I I should probably do a deep dive on the Gallagher. I should do a bonus special twenty minutes where I just personally read the court transcript highlights of the court transcript or something because I have a feeling there's something there with the Gallagher. So, oh. It's 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 honestly like at this I've told the story a few times. So at this point I'm just like I just can't even believe like every time I tell it I'm just like I can't even I still can't believe it. You know what I mean? Yeah well I mean because it's like it never fails to like yeah i've seen comics that i like and respect be really bad in like headlining spots before and you're watching them and like they're like walking the room kind of thing or it's just like dude you're better than this and you don't need to do this like you can gracefully just try and like exit like there's a better way of approaching this like you don't what need do you to- mean? what do you like what are you saying the headliner should do in that case well it's like okay if Here's the thing is they're only walking because you got incredibly mean and nasty. Oh, I see. I see. And so if you do get to that point, like for me, like personally, like if I was headlining that situation, which I've rarely gotten the chance to headline, but like I have enough like moral compass, I feel, to fucking like help me get them to kind of at least look over their shoulder as they're walking. out. Like, right. hey, do I really want to miss what he might say? Like, you know, like. It. There's something that I, I I mean I you, I mean I'll fucking I'll say whatever I don't give a shit but like there's got to be some something there to it as you know and like but yeah like what you're describing with Gallagher that's just like obvious. Well, I don't think there's anything to it because I don't think he is a comedian. Like I don't think he has the spirit of a comedian. No, he's I not. I th- I think he's a deranged performance artist. Like I don't think he's that. I think he has like figured out some weird formula. Like. I, I think to call him a performance artist is way too much credit. Like, he was. Okay, uh, what what's, like, not quite a performance artist? Like, a, a performance hustler. How about that? Performance grifter. Sure. I, I feel like, because, like, I, you're right. Like, like, it's not a performance artist. Like, a performance no. artist would walk out there and take a shit on the fucking, wa- and take a shit on the watermelon, then smash it. And that's hilarious. <laughs> I... I just think if you're stealing a material, that's the first offense. Not only yeah. is it racist, but you stole it. Yeah. It, you are not a comedian. I, I feel like there there's so little is sacred in I, I don't well, know. I, I mean, I comedy just, now became fuck the comedy recently became what lip syncing to the fucking shitty president. I mean like like the the bar is so low now, and it's it's depressing. <laughs> well, I feel like that's a good point to go. <laughs> Should we go out on the depressing note that fucking that art for the art form that we love has been sabotaged by mediocre? No, I just feel like we need to like preserve it. The thing is, I was just talking to Eddie Pepitone about this earlier our friend i love eddie he's one of my favorites he i was really upset about like something artistically like that i was like 
upset that a certain artist wasn't getting credit for something. I don't want to bring it up because it's like a whole yeah, can yeah, of work. Yeah. We'll talk about I that was, off the air. Yeah. I was like, why don't people recognize that this is this person's work? It was another person's work or whatever. And he was like, because people want the commercial thing. They and, do. and they want mediocrity. I'll say this. Eddie Pepitone's special from last year that he released in January at the that he did at the Dynasty typewriter. Like one of the best stand-up specials I've seen in my life. Like it was so goddamn. I mean, and if you haven't seen this yet, go if you're an Amazon subscriber, it's on there. Watch the Eddie Pepitone special. It from the opening syllable, he had me rolling. And not many comics can do I've always said there's only been like three, four comics ever that can make me cry laughing. You're on that list. It's you, Eddie, Fadem, and the late great Brody Stevens. Like you guys are the only ones that can le- legit like admit that. Like, because I don't know where you you all could do the. I don't know where I'm. You're gonna go next thing. And most comics are so fucking predictable. Even if they're really good, and I think they're hilarious, it's so fucking predictable if I know them. <laughs> and like, I I I feel like you guys always keep me on my toes. Scott, I love you. I'm just like. I'm also just so happy to see you. Forget yeah. this, you know. Yeah, enorm- forget this showbiz hustle of a doing forget a show. This <laughs> enormous praise you just heaped on me. I'm just happy to be your friend and get to see you. Yeah, it's always a pleasure. You know, like, man, we've had some fun times. Like, you know, and, like, and, and what sucks is like I moved to Vegas, and I, right when I start getting set up here, where it's like I know all the cool spots. The entire town gets shut down. And my friends can't come here to visit me anymore. It's like, well, that was part of the. I kind of wanted to be an oasis, like for my LA friends. Like, hey, you're bored for a weekend? Come hang out with me. Like, I'll show you. I'll take you to like, like, because most people want to come to here and just like get blackout drunk on stupid sugar drinks at MGM Grand or whatever. But it's like, no, I'll show you the cool like like Jewish bagel spot down the street from my pad. I'll. I'll show you where the wine bar OJ hangs out at. <laughs> Scott, I have to tell you, I have been having fantasies about gambling. It's fun. I'm not going to lie. I want to gamble. Okay. Uh, we'll play blackjack when you come visit me here. Okay. Uh, yeah, like, and like, I'll, I'll take you to like one of like the lowest stakes, easiest blackjack tables in the entire city. And we'll have fun with it. I, I promise you that. Okay. Deal. So... I think we're going to close this out now. Uh, I'll talk to you off the air real quick, but everybody, thank you so much for listening on the show this week. Uh, man, it's been a wild one, and I hope you guys keep following us back. Thank you so much. Goodbye. And that was this week's episode with Lizzie Cooperman. Thank you so much for joining me. And if you really like the show and you're capable of helping out, we have a Patreon where uh, for a mere $5 a month, you can get all kinds of crazy bonus content. A lot of it is like three-hour shows of me getting hammered with my friends. It's a lot of fun. Um, uh, it's uh, patreon.com slash luckstopspod. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at luckstopspod. And I th- got some sort of Facebook group that I never I never go on Facebook. But you're welcome to join it. And if you want to take it over, I- I'll give it to you. I'll-, I'll hand you the keys of the Ferrari. Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, and I will be back with an episode later in the week with Nick Rutherford. Thank you, everybody, again, and I will see you later.